morning. My name is Rebecca. If I didn't get a chance to meet you as you walked in, if I've never met you before, I definitely want to get a chance uh, to do so. But welcome to our spring Bible study. It's like negative four degrees out there is what I think my phone said. Welcome to our winter study, guys. We're so glad that you joined us. Uh, the best thing, one of the best things about this study is that it carries us to Easter. Picture Easter, sunshine, a little bit warmer, at least like the feel of it is more springy. This is going to get us there. This is our vehicle through this last leg of, of winter. So I am so glad uh, that you've joined us. If um, There's a lot of you who are, who are new to either Veritas or to our studies. Um, so I just want to tell you a little bit about myself and about how we do things here, why we do things that way. Um, go through some of almost like orientation of, of the Bible study. Uh, and then for this morning, uh, I just want to share with you what I already have learned. It's already just um, worked its way from my mind into my heart. And um, yeah, just in the last maybe 15, 20 minutes, just kind of kick us off with a devotional thought as we look deep into God's word. Um, so like I said, my name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm married to my husband, Matt. I think it's like 16 or 17 years. I'm the one in the marriage that forgets our anniversaries, which is shameful. Um, but uh, we have three boys, Micah, Matthias, and Maxwell, 13, 11, and 10. And we live here in Tiffin. The boys go to, to CCA. Um, and you can sit right up here. Sorry. I was trying to do it without drawing attention to you. Um, guys, as we come in, maybe we can grab Carrie Durham. Would you just loose, like get a couple of those chairs off maybe so that people can just come in if they're a little bit late. Um, anyway, I've been here at Veritas for like seven years and on staff for six years, something like that. And, um, yeah. Just really uh, love digging into the word with women. Uh, before we were here, we were in Colorado where my husband was a youth pastor. Before Colorado, we were in Iowa City actually getting our undergrad degrees here. So we love this place and are thankful to be, uh, to be in a place where we get to see God moving so much. And um, yeah, Bible study started, uh, I think it was like 2015, we started our first women's Bible studies. Um, and it was wonderful because the year that we started, there was a book that came out called Women of the Word, which a lot of you read. And it just felt like it was a gift from the Lord because it just gave us like tracks to run on. Is that, oh, music. Okay. No, that's okay. Um, and so we, so guys, we just found almost like a mentor in this author from Texas that just showed us how we could start Bible study and how we could just really prize Bible literacy, learning to study God's word deeply. And it's just, it kind of just gave us a, a catalyst to, to get going. And, and so there's um, a couple things this morning that I want to just tell you that have multiplied my joy um, and my learning in the word. Uh, while there's so much that we could talk, be talked about, about how we study the Bible, there's just two that I wanted to um, highlight this morning that I think will, if we all kind of get excited about it together, I think it'll make our, our 10 weeks uh, all the richer together, guys. And that is, one, that the Bible is about God. And you're, if you're new here, you're like, oh boy, is that as insightful as this is going to get? <laughs> But actually, I really do think it's important for every study for us to start with that. We, have, we are learning and we are always focusing on the fact that the Bible is a story about God. Now, how many of you 
uh, and I don't expect it to be everyone, but how many of you grew up in Sunday schools, grew up in Bible studies? Yeah, definitely a large number of us, as did I, grew up in ministry, pastor's kid, and even loving the word. But guys, I'm telling you that when I freshly learned this about seven years ago, it greatly increased my joy towards God's word. Because without even realizing it, for years, I would open up the Bible to learn about me instead. That's not wrong, but it shouldn't be our first goal when we open up God's word. The Bible is a book about God, and it's through knowledge of God that we learn about ourselves. So I don't say it with like a machine tone of like, all we're learning about is about God. No, we are going to learn about ourselves, and we are going to see ways in our life that we can obey the Lord. But it's going to start by us saying, what does the Bible teach us about God? Secondly, what's been new in my last seven-ish years is learning that the Bible is one big story. Genesis to Revelation, it's one big story. And if you attend here on Sunday mornings, it's kind of nice because what did we just finish? Genesis. And what are we in now? Revelation. Yeah. So when we go toward, when we jump into Exodus, guys, we're going to be constantly asking that question. How does this story fit into a much bigger story? And again, this, this isn't just so you can be smarty pants in the next circle of friends that you're standing in and impress them by saying, did you know that the Bible is one big story? This is about being a more excited learner of the word. It's about seeing not just the Bible stories, but seeing the Bible's story. You hear just like that subtle difference. The stories of the Bible fit into the Bible's story. Those are the two things that I just wanted to throw out there this morning that I hope will get you excited, that will whet your appetite. Um, so when we first started a women's ministry, uh, I, I almost turned down the job because I thought what it meant was that I was going to have to uh, fill everyone's calendars. I thought that that's what women's ministry was, was like just promoting all these activities and events. And I, I like a good event, but actually I got really freed up by the leadership here that it's okay if what we almost exclusively do is Bible study. And again, that's not to sound machine-like, but I think that what we have found is that women in a Bible study can, can help meet lots of different needs. It can meet a relational need. It can meet a discipleship need where you're learning from women who are maybe further along in their walk with the Lord or who have gone through what you are just now going through. I believe that it can fit that need. It fits a relational need. I think that it can fit absolutely a, a desire to learn need. It can be a space, a safe space to wrestle through stuff with the Lord. And so we do studies three times a year. And then really besides that, we just throw like a huge Christmas party. And that's really our only other event. Because what we're seeing and what I pray for is that from this room, more ministry just naturally happens. More ministry organically happens. That, that you would follow up with a, a woman at your table, if you have room for it, and, and do some life with them and go the next level uh, with them. And so that's, that's where you are right now. You're in this room called Bible study, but with so many 
so many more opportunities than just uh, answering the questions on a Tuesday morning. Um, okay, so let's actually now kind of talk about this study, guys, this 10 weeks. So we are studying, obviously, God of Freedom um, by Jen. So one year ago, we did God of Deliverance, which a bunch of you were in here for, where we did Exodus 1, chapter 1 through 18, and we're picking up in 19. I am so proud of those of you who didn't do the first one and who are willing to be all flexible and just jump midway through a book. You're going to be fine. It's totally fine. You're not going to be lost. What I would suggest if you are like, oh, why did I do this in your type A and maybe that just feels so messy to you, one way that you could so quickly catch up on, on the story of Exodus is to listen to Exodus 1 through 18 this week. So if you have the Bible app, if you don't, we are so full of young pups around here that can help you get the app or probably even a cooler app. I don't know. Um, and you can just listen to it this week and it'll get you kind of a running start at Exodus 19. Okay, so that's, that's what we're doing this time. And there's a couple things that are different. So it doesn't affect you that much, but we changed our, our Sunday option, uh, the women who are sitting on Sundays, from the Sunday night time to Sunday mornings. Um, this is a great size group. I think we have 75 women in here. We have even more on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah, it's, it was fun. It was great. It was crazy. <laughs> but, um, but I, so some of the changes that, that we are making affected them more than you guys. We don't have quite as tight of a time frame as we do on Sunday mornings. But um, one of the things that we have that we've never had before is in these studies, why don't you go ahead and open up to the back. What is new this time is that everyone has access to the teaching videos. So I found out that they don't all look like this. Some of you guys need to get a coin and scratch off your code. Everyone see what we're looking at? Okay. So, so this is great, guys. At first, I, at first, I was a little grouchy about this because I went to buy these books and they were stinking $24 because they now include the teaching. And I was like, that's, that's crazy. But remember that Christmas party I talked about? We accidentally made money off you on that Christmas event because everyone was so excited to be part of this charcuterie board contest. So I just took that money and pushed it towards Bible study and then only had to charge you guys 20. I don't know. Is that kind of cheating or maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's clever, um, but I do feel like I need to tell you that. So that's why you were able to just pay 20 bucks to, to cover the, the book for this time. But with it, you have access to all 10 teachings. So once I stopped being grouchy about it, I decided to be thankful for it. Because what this allows is it allows us more room to be creative with our time on Tuesday mornings. Um, so last fall, a handful of you were part of our study in the fall, and we called it Women's Classroom. It was kind of a new take. And there were some things that we did differently in the fall that you guys, some of you were like, that's so much better than what we've ever done before. Uh, like multiple, and I'm like, okay, I'm a little insulted, but also encouraged. <laughs> but the thing, I got specifics from you guys, and I do, I am excited to pull a little bit of uh, what we liked from the fall into this study. One of those is that we're doing tables. So instead of just 45 minutes of small group discussion where we're just spread out through the whole church building and pretty disconnected, we're going to stay in here. 
And we're going to have a little bit of that back and forth where sometimes uh, your first half hour will be discussing the, the questions that come in this book. Um, sometimes it will be one of those learning activities. I won't try the crossword again, I promise. But working on things that will help us see if we're learning um, what we're studying throughout the week. And then from there, we will either watch Jen's teaching or there will be live teaching. At this point, my guess is that it will be about 50-50, maybe a little bit more of the live teaching. So with that, guys, what I'm going to ask is, even though you're going to have access to the teachings, please don't watch them before you come on Tuesday mornings, okay? And there, it's not just because then you'll be bored or, or not be motivated to come here, but actually, guys, it's before someone gives you commentary, before someone gives you um, maybe some of the answers, it's really rich to sit in a circle and to talk about the things that you don't yet have clarity on. It's really good to sit there and share what God was doing in your heart and how it became, you know, like application for your week. This is important. Otherwise, we would just sell these books at Info Central and say, you know, tag us on Instagram when you've finished your study. There's a, there's a, a purpose, a rich purpose in coming together. Guys, we will learn more. We will retain more. We will glorify the Lord when we come together like this and study in community. Okay? So please prize this time. Come, come as often as you can. I know that we get sick kids or icy roads and stuff like that, but this is important. This is in so encouraging to see that women already, I'm preaching to the choir, already know that studying God's word together is is what's good for us. So, and, and then the study will be over and we will have that time where we need to study it on our own before our summer study comes. So it's a good balance, I think. Um, let me give you one more just kind of logistical um, step. You can read this. I, I don't want to insult you, but it, it took me a couple times to figure out the process for this. Okay, guys, what you have to do to get these teachings is go to lifeway.com and make an account, okay? Think of how many things we make accounts for now. It's crazy. It's like everywhere we go, you're like, sign up for this. Oh, but you also have to give your email, stuff like that. So you have to do that for Lifeway. And that will get you this code, your code, will get you the teachings. But then what's awesome is that you can get the app on your phone, download the Lifeway app, which again is, is clearly written right here. And then you can have access to the teachings wherever you are. So you can watch them, you know, when you're, you can listen to them while you're driving. Don't watch them while you're driving. Uh, when you're in the pickup line, you know, when you're folding the laundry, whatever it is, while you're cooking, you can set it up um, on your way to and from work. There's, it just gives us more of an opportunity to, to hear that teaching. Okay? If that is overwhelming to you, because it, it was a little overwhelming to me, because I'm just not great with tech stuff, please let us help you. Like, don't. Don't just stay overwhelmed by yourself, but let us, let us help you, especially if you need help getting the app. But the first step is to go to lifeway.com on your computer and get, um, get an account with them. Okay? What's cool with that, too, is that like I, when I logged in, I was able to see all the old teachings from a study we did a couple years ago. So it was kind of cool to have that as a, as a reference. Okay. 
I think that is our, all of our kind of uh, logistics, all of our housekeeping, our orientation. Right now, does anyone have a question that you think maybe other people in the room also have? Okay. Okay, don't hesitate to ask afterwards. I definitely want you to leave feeling like you know the plan and you feel good about it. Yeah. Great question, Jen Pratt. Thanks. Um, so I, if, if you showed up today and you didn't sign up, I'm still glad that you showed up, but please sign up because that's what puts you on the email list, okay? If you're not, yeah, if you didn't sign up, then I won't know to get you on the email list. So <laughs> I love making eye contact with some of you uh, during this. Um, so there will be an email. Um, last year, there was one, remember there was one week, it was kind of weird. We canceled it, but only like one of the schools had canceled school, and it was weird. And so um, Bible study starts at 9. I will make a decision by 8 o'clock on any questionable days. You will get an email by 8 a.m., okay? So check that, and then I would also put it on our Instagram and Facebook. Is that a good plan? Anyone have? Okay. Great. Okay. So guys, why don't you go ahead and open up. There is a note, an empty, like almost like an extra note page on page 13. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Another great question. Yep. So um, like I said, you'll all, if you miss a week, you'd, you would obviously have access to Jen Wilkins' teaching, uh, but if uh, there's a live teaching me or somebody else, it is being recorded. So um, usually they're up right away Wednesday morning. It's worth checking. Where do you check? Where are these? They're on our, they're on our YouTube, right? And our podcast, both. Yeah, so two options for that. Um, they should be up by Wednesday morning. Slight chance that we would post the Sunday recording. So, you know, if you're home on Tuesday morning, you know, whatever, not feeling good or sick kids, you could at least check if you like, if you like to stay on schedule. And, and the teaching might already be up there. But that's a great question. All right. Okay, well, let's just take a second and look through, look at this book, guys. So um, starting on page 13, um, we are going to, um, do a little warm-up activity here. Go ahead and turn the page. This is week one. This gets a little bit in, uh, confusing. I got a couple texts from the Sunday group. This is what we're going to go over this morning, essentially. If, if we were to watch the Jen teaching, this is her outline. And go ahead and watch it if you want. She's going to say things differently than me. I didn't let myself watch her before uh, prepping my teaching because I would totally just copy her. So, but you're welcome to, to watch both. We're different. Um, she has a lot of good things to say. The biggest thing is that um, the reason why we still do live teachings is she's, she's not part of our local church here. So she knows lots of good things, but she doesn't know us. And so I think that there is value in us, uh, you know, speaking a little bit more personally to one another. Um, so that's what this next page is. So this is called week one, but you did not have to do homework before this week. So people were feeling really stressed when they saw that what you start with tomorrow morning is called week two. Look at you. You're already on week two. We're just cruising right along. So each week has five pages, five days of, of study. Okay. The first, if you've never done a study, I, I want you to not be a afraid or stressed by this. I feel like her day ones take longer than her other days. Anyone want to confirm that? Yeah. You're like, 
I was like halfway through day one, I'm like, oh man, everyone's going to hate me. And then I turned to day two, I'm like, oh, that wasn't bad. (laughs) So just be ready for that. You're going to read a bigger chunk of Exodus on the first day of your study. And then days two through five, it's a little bit of repetitive reading, but it's not as much. Okay? I would plan for at least 25 minutes in the Word each day. You could easily kind of hunker down, do a little bit more processing, and fill 45 minutes. There's a lot of questions that, that are inviting you to think deeply about these things. So why do you think dot, dot, dot question? So anywhere from 25 to 45 minutes, okay? Um, here's a, a little hack that might work for some of you, especially if there's, I know we've got like nurses who have 12-hour shifts or just off schedules. What I like to do when we do her studies, I actually like to break it up into two days. I like to just, if I have, you know, I look at my schedule and I've got a longer chunk of time twice in a week, I like to do days one through three because it's like once I'm in it, like once I'm focused on it, I just would rather stay there and kind of keep it going. And so I like to do three days. And then, you know, you could kind of make it a little bit more of like a set-apart time. Maybe you can get away to a coffee shop or something like that. Um, That's just an idea. If you're having a hard time getting it done, maybe your schedule would allow for that. Okay? Okay, so we're seeing how there's five days, and then you'll see that there's a note page at the end of that. Okay. So let's kind of turn the corner a little bit and start kind of engaging our minds. Let's kind of assess what we know about Exodus. So just the the two Bible literacy um, things that I've learned about, I want to just apply those to Exodus. So we said the Bible is a book about God primarily, and the Bible is one big story. So when we're reading Exodus, we should lead out with a question. What am I going to learn about God? How does God reveal himself in the story of Exodus? How does Exodus fit? into the Bible's story. So guys, we are going to, um, we're going to start with, this is supposed to boost your confidence as a team, okay? So maybe the leader could open to page 13 and take notes for your group. We're going to see if we, for five minutes, guys, let's, let's work together and see how familiar we already are with Exodus, okay? So not just starting in 19. So the beginning of the book, all the way to the end. Can you make a list of Bible stories found in Exodus? Okay. On, on Sunday, everyone, we just yelled them out. But I was like, I'm going to see if, if we can do this. So just think, think felt boards, guys. <laughs> think videos. Think movies. Think childhood. Um, man, I don't think we've gone through it at Veritas since like I think we went through it in like 2015. So if you're old school, maybe you can go all the way back to Drew Stevenson sermons. Just bullet points, one of you write them down. How many stories within Exodus can you write? So turn towards each other, five minutes, go. All right. Are we feeling done? All right. Who, who feels pretty proud of their table? More than, more than five stories? Yeah? More, yeah? More than 10 stories? Okay, 10? Yeah. Oh, I, lo- 
I love, it's like in these uh, Christian circles, we're supposed to be humble. And I'm like, come on, who got 15? And you're all like, eh, me, me, me. Um, okay, this will be great, guys. So we see these stories that we know, and we're going to let them come alive as if for the first time as we put them against the backdrop of, of the bigger story. Were there any, um, any stories that you're like, wait a minute, was that Exodus? I heard that once. Can, can we hear it? Anyone willing to share? Name the wrong people. The wrong people. That's okay. <laughs> Chris is going to be teaching in a couple weeks, but she'll figure it out before that. <laughs> Laura, what, you have a question? Oh, Josh, yeah, combining Joshua's story. Okay, but that one, that makes sense. Joshua is going to be a character in the story, but it's like he's kind of like in the shadows. He's kind of like stage left, ready to, to take over when Moses dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Any, anyone else? This helps us to see that we're all still learning. What? No? Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, when Moses uh, is supposed to speak to the rock, but instead he hits it. Yep. So this is kind of bringing up, again, like this levels the playing field. The question is like, wait a minute, is that an Exodus? Or what's going on in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? And we can all be like, we don't know. Let's find out. Gets real hairy. I don't know. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I think that's a, that's a good way to, to get started. Um, if you're a note taker, why don't you open up, is it page 14, um, where you'll see her outline, you'll see Jen Wilkins' outline. For the sake of trying to help you feel organized, I, I am going to hit on those questions for our time, okay? Okay, so, so let's talk about that. I think the first question she said is, who wrote it? Okay, so let's, let's dive into Exodus. Who wrote the book of Exodus? This actually is not really uh, contested across scholars. It's Moses. Moses uh, wrote the book of Exodus. Um, he also wrote Genesis. Actually, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. So that's kind of cool. The book that we just studied for six months, the same author is going to carry us through this semester. So the question is, who is Moses? Right? We know, we probably have heard of him, but let's make sure that we know some important uh, facts about him, guys. Moses was one of God's children. He was a Hebrew baby, uh, but he was born during a time when Pharaoh, the, the evil leader of Egypt, uh, felt insecure about the Israelites rising up against them, the slaves, the Israelites. And so he ordered for all baby boys to be killed. But Moses' mother, a woman of faith, saw that he was special, I think is how it's said in the NIV. Puts him in a basket, puts him in a little ark, puts him in the Nile River. Moses, meaning drawn out, is then drawn out his first exodus from the Nile River by, you guys know? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. He ends up being raised in Pharaoh's palace, being raised as royalty. And then as an adult, there's a story about him. Maybe you heard it as he's losing his temper, or maybe you saw it as he's a man of justice. We're going to probably talk about that a little bit. Um, he kills a taskmaster. He, he kills a, a, a soldier, you could say, of 
pharaohs. And now is going through another exodus of his own as he has to leave Egypt to protect his life. And this next like season of adulthood is in Midian. That's where he gets married. Um, that's where he is a shepherd, which is beautiful. And a pretty important story that I bet some of you wrote down as a team is that Moses has a pretty pivotal moment where he experiences God at the burning bush. At that point, we hear that mountain called Mount Horeb. What's wonderful about this little fact is actually it's the same mountain in which our study will begin in chapter 19, Mount Sinai, where he experienced God. That is a little bit on who Moses is. The next question, when was it written? Guys, this is crazy. Moses, most, most scholars, most commentaries will say that Moses wrote uh, Exodus while he was leading the Israelites through the wilderness. You think you have to multitask in a given week. Think of Moses leading over a million people, a, an often stubborn people, an often stiff-necked or afraid or scared people. As he is leading them, he is writing down what we are going to study, as well as the other first five books of the Bible. So guys, that is about, from where we're sitting now, I think that that is about 3,500 years ago, okay? So that would be about 1,500 BC is when Moses was writing this. To whom was he writing? Uh, so I, I believe that the first audience that he wrote to was, we brought up Joshua, would be the people under Joshua's early leadership that were about to enter the promised land. Okay, if you just felt like, ah, I feel like everyone in this room knows what that means and I don't, so let me give you a couple iconic stories to help you kind of set your timetable. Remember the walls of Jericho? Walking around the walls of Jericho and they come tumbling down, that would be a, a Joshua story. So the first people to receive the book of Exodus would be the people who were about to enter the promised land, Canaan. Their first battle was Jericho. Are you kind of picturing it now? So guys, we actually get to pause right here as we're kind of getting our facts. We don't have to wait till the end to have a moment of encouragement or, or application. I felt paused here realizing that the people that first received this were getting such a sweet gift from the Lord. And here's why. Their past was Egypt. Their parents' past was Egypt. Their grandparents, 400 years in Egypt. Egypt, a place of pagan religion. A place where their, their, their memories, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob were so often probably rivaled with just the culture of Egypt, just that polytheism, so many different gods. That's their past. And now where are they headed? Canaan, polytheism again, evil place. And here God is saying, these are my children, and I'm going to give them my word as they head in to this. And I just feel like that's gracious. I just feel like that's generous of God. 
to provide for them, to give them his word, to reveal himself to them, that they would have these stories and these words to hang on to as they attempted to obey him in an evil place. And I think about right away, that's, that's my life right now. I've got my past of before Christ changed my life, and I have my every day of trying to be a light in a dark world. And he's given me his word to help me know how to live in this evil world, in this dark place, how to be a light, how to not be discouraged all the time or live in confusion of what is right and what is wrong. So those are the first recipients, the the people about to finally receive the fulfillment of God's promise for the land of Canaan. In what style was Exodus written? Well, this is a historical narrative That's one way to answer it. And then also the law. Historical narrative. So we we get to read a story. This isn't poetry, although there's a a song in early Exodus. This is narrative. It's storytelling. This is my favorite kind of um, style to study. I love a good story with characters and plot development. Okay, so will you guys pause for a second? Grab your Bibles and open up to Exodus 19 or open up your app. Exodus 19. I want to give you a second to thumb through, let's see, Exodus 19 through 40. Look at the headings. Look at some of the topics. Let me hear those pages turning. Keep scrolling. You don't need to write down what you're seeing, but just take it all in. All right, keep going, turn those pages, scroll away. Guys, who's feeling excited? (laughs) Isn't this amazing? What are you seeing? Are you seeing the covenants and the commandments and the laws? Maybe you're not even halfway through 20s yet. Keep going. It doesn't get any better. More and more laws. Are you seeing the details about the tabernacle? Yeah, yeah. Look, maybe just zoom in, just, you know, do one of these where you pick a sentence and look at how invigorating it is and devotional it is about the cubits and the, um, the, what's the other measurement word they use about the fabrics and the kind of wood and the materials. Guys, this is what we're studying in the dead of winter. Isn't this great? And here's my problem with this, guys. What in the world was Jen thinking calling this study God of freedom. Covenants, commandments, laws, burdensome details. Laws upon laws upon laws. Why would she call this God of freedom? Burdensome laws I don't know about you guys, but that does not sound like freedom to me. Freedom. Isn't freedom the absence of laws, the freedom from constraints, the freedom to do what we want, the absence of suffering? Now, that sounds like freedom. That sounds like a study 
I want to jump into. But that's just me. Think about them. How much more true is that for them? Think of their past. What have they known? What have their parents known? Slavery. Taskmasters. Rules. Think of all the rules that they lived under. Think of the punishments. Think of the monotony and the misery of being a slave of Egypt. How much more would they be excited for freedom? Picture them leaving Egypt and starting their way to Mount Sinai. And they're running. What do they want, guys? They want to be told that they can do whatever they want. They want self-government. They want no more rules. They want to be their own boss, independence. If you were them, wouldn't you be so excited to have your own rights at that point? Wouldn't you want to be able to finally live how you want to live? Treat people how you think they need to be treated. Eat how you want. Live how you want. Dress how you want. Wouldn't the normal human being say that that's, that's their desire? Oh, I'm finally not a slave. I can rule my own life. That freedom sounds amazing. Let's read Exodus 19, the first bit of scripture that we will be studying. Exodus 19, 1 through 6. In the third month from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Okay, guys, we're studying a narrative, so you get to actually picture this. Okay, picture this actually happening. Over a million people traveling together. Okay, they're at a base of a mountain. Moses went up to the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Okay, pause. Let's make sure that we're getting this right. What did you just picture? Did you picture Moses just like a five-minute walk getting up there? Or wait, did you picture like 30-year-old buff, handsome, dark Moses? No, this guy is old at this point, right? We got to actually jump into the skin of this story, okay? This is old man Moses going up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom, a priest, and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Keep looking there, guys. What are some of the observations you made? What are some things that are jumping out? This is, this is like God's orientation to his people. Here's some of the things that I marked up. When it says up the mountain, I have a number one written over that. I believe that's because we're going to see that repeated. We're going to see Moses going up and down the mountain, up and down the mountain. We don't, we don't have to conclude that thought right now, but it should make us curious. But here's what else I underlined. To myself, me, my, 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 my. God talking. That's my observation that kind of jumped out. God is saying, 
I brought you out of Egypt to bring you to myself. Listen to me. Keep my covenant. Be my possession. You will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. The people of God were drawn out of Egypt that they would be drawn near to God. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them to himself, to be his possession, to be his kingdom of priests, to be his holy nation. So guys, were they liberated so that they could be their own masters? No. They were freed so that they could serve the Lord. They were freed so that they could be sons. They were freed so they could be royal priests. And so here they are, and they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. And as you just thumbed through the pages, you saw that the people, after getting this orientation from God, they receive a covenant and the Ten Commandments and the law. Why? So that they would know how to be God's sons, how to be God's children, how to be a royal priest, how to be a holy nation. They were freed from slavery so that they would be freed to worship. And the laws, the words, the covenant would show them how to worship. And this story, their story, is also our story. Guys, we're not freed from sin so that we can be our own boss. We, too, are freed from our sin so that we can be children of God. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. So then if we connect that final thought, it sounds ironic, guys. It sounds weird. It sounds like a paradox. What we are actually concluding is that freedom is found in God's word. Freedom is found in in God's law, in his rules even. So we got to wrestle with that at the forefront of this story, that all of those boring pages of the Old Testament, the burdensome laws, we actually need to wrestle with, do we believe that, that they are for our good? There, there's a little quippy Christian saying that's been going around for, for at least a decade now that, that sounds so good, and I probably have said it to people before, that, oh, Christianity, it is all about relationship. It's not about rules. Anyone ever said that? Heard it? Did I ever say it to you? What do we think about that, guys? Okay, what, Christianity is all about a relationship. Thumbs up? Everyone good? Yeah, I am. I like that. I see that in the gospel. I see that in the story of the Bible. But it's not about rules. I think sometimes I get what people are going for when they say that. But in doing so, they're essentially just chopping off the whole first half of the Bible and saying, well, it doesn't matter to us anymore. But we just said it's one big story. So could we actually approach Moses' words given to him by God 
and start to think about what does this mean for my life now? If there's a big principle that those laws and those commandments, the Ten Commandments, were good for them, well, then it, it could mean it's good for us, and I want good. Maybe I was even made for good. Maybe I was made for flourishing, for true happiness and contentment in my relationship with God. And we don't have to you know, tie it all together right away this morning, but we, we should be excited and curious about that. that. That these laws, even restraints, even prohibitions, the boring stuff is actually for our good. How so? This was, this was fresh to me this week, guys. What I see here, just in this, these first six verses of chapter 19, is that the way that it, that it's good is because the Lord in his fatherly goodness knew that, let, let's talk about the Israelites. He knew that if left to their own devices, freed from Egypt, set free in the wilderness, without any, any rules, any ruler, they would just become slaves again. I don't actually just mean that they would return to Egypt, although we'll see that at times. But I believe that what we see here is that if left to their own devices, they would become a slave to their own flesh. That they would become slaves to their own prideful appetites. And I get that. I feel God's protective hand in my life, and I see it in yours as well. That the Lord, as a loving Father, is good to not leave us to be autonomous to self-rule, to all the independence that we could ever want. Because he's protecting us from becoming slaves to our flesh. But then I bump up against this. I bump up against this honest moment where I think, oh, it's so good that God has freed me. Right? We all, if God has freed us from sin, we say, that was awesome, hallelujah, amen. I'm no longer uh, a slave to Pharaoh, so to speak. I'm no longer a slave to sin with, with a, the enemy, with his snake-like coil wrapped around me. I mean, who doesn't want to be freed from the abuse, the poison of sin? But guys, what I'm not always convinced of is that I want to be ruled by God great that that's in my past where sin and death and slavery ruled over me. But there are days, most weeks, there are hours, most days, where I still wish for self-rule because I think I'm a pretty good queen. I don't need a king. I'm a pretty good ruler. I want to be the boss. Here's evidence of that. I took the time to think about essentially like the bad fruit in my life that's almost like a symptom that this thinking is still in my mind. I often am resenting God's rule in my life in the topic of my time. I want to be the boss of my own time. Uh, I'm going to use it how I like it. I will serve when I feel like it. And to be even more specific with you guys, and I, I think that this, this transcends whatever season of life we're in, 
But when my boys, my, my pubescent boys, want me to linger with them at bedtime, I have a mood swing. Are you kidding me? No. I have served all day. I have, I have done everything for, I'm not saying these things, but I'm also not hiding it. I don't, I don't want to give them my time when I'm already tired. It's almost bedtime. I can almost taste it. It's almost time to walk out of those rooms. And then they need something. And we're out of the season. They don't need a change of diaper. They don't need a bottle. They, but they need to talk about the questions that were stirred up at school that day. They need to talk about their hurt feelings. They need to talk about their fears. Guys, I, when I just shut down, when I have a mood swing, that's my symptom, it is an indicator to me that I think I'm the boss of my own time, that I have no one ruling over me, that I'm resenting that God has called me to be a kingdom of priests who serves. How about with my body, with my health? Oh, I'm the queen. I'll use it how I like. I'm the boss, and so you know what my, my symptom is there then? What I'm thinking this way is that I either end up living in, I live in these extremes. I am either lacking self-control, living in addiction to food and drink, or I am living in extreme restriction. But either one, what am I saying? I'm the boss. Don't tell me what to do. My body is mine. I have rights. How about in my job? I'm the boss. My symptom, if this wrong thinking is going on inside of me, if I want to protect my rights at work, who I become enslaved to is you guys. Any criticism that comes from my job, if I'm not receiving God as king, if I'm resenting that he's king, Criticism sends me over the edge, and I become a slave to it. How about my future? Nope, I, I'm in charge of what's coming. I have plans. I have a vision for life. I know what is good, and so I'm going to work toward what is good. I define what is good, and so I, I micromanage and I manipulate and I put all my energies into making sure that that desired future for me and my family is going to come to fruition. And do you know who I sound like in all of these? As I resent the restraints, as I resent the lordship of God, as I'm reaching for autonomy and self-rule, Eve. I'm acting like Eve, who was given one rule, one restriction of God in a garden of plenty, and she resented it, and she reached for self-rule instead. Maybe it was based in fear and doubt. Maybe it was based in pride that she wanted to be on her own throne, but she reached for it thinking, here's freedom. And then she found herself a slave, a slave to sin, a slave to her own appetite. 
Guys, the covenants, the rules, the commandments, the laws, they're not just for the people in Moses' day. They are for us and they are for our good from a God who loves us. Guys, his words, his rules, they are the way to freedom. They are the words of life. One of my favorite Psalms, I don't think it's, it's that familiar. It's Psalm 16.6. David seemed to understand this. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and I have a delightful inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? I wish I would have come up with that. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. God's rules, his laws, his plan for life. I look at them and I say, they've fallen in a pleasant place. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. When we bump up against God's will for our life, instead of of kind of chafing against it or bristling at it, no, we say, oh, oh, it's for my good. It's for my good. And we find that when we follow them, we're freed not to do whatever we want. Better than that, guys, we're freed to worship. We're freed to obey. We find it easier to obey, to rule over our sin, to rule over discouragement, to rule over anxiety or fear. We find the freedom to not build Pharaoh's cities, but to build God's temple. In this place, we are freed to serve the Lord. So here's our question as we close down, as this kickoff week. Ladies, where in your life have you forgotten that you've been set free? Go specific here. Is there a certain area of your life, a certain role or relationship maybe? where you have forgotten that you have been set free? Where in your life have you slipped back under a yoke of slavery? Man, guys, this isn't a heavy-handed rebuke. This is a warm invite from the Lord. Because what's heavy, what makes a cruel taskmaster is sin. What makes a cruel taskmaster is the way the world tells us to live. But the Lord is a good father, a loving father, a good king. If we can believe this, if we can believe that his law, his word is good. It will set our vision to guide us through this study. It'll help us show up for more weeks. It'll help us fight discouragement. It'll help us when we don't know the answer to a question. If we have this big vision that what is in these pages of Exodus, it's not just that it's relevant, it's that it's good for us. So very good to us. It will give us the abundant life spoken of in John. Let's, let's close in prayer.
Father, thank you so much for the story, the story about deliverance and freedom of your people. And Lord, we close today remembering that this story points forward to the story of Jesus. Jesus, the very word of life, who purchased our freedom with his blood. And who said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So Lord, we receive the freedom that you have ordained for us and purchased for us. We gladly receive it, not as women who are strong-arming a Bible study, but as children, as daughters, humbly receiving that which we could not get on our own. So please help us as we begin this study. Fill this room with your spirit. May this be a a safe place. May this be a a place where um, humility guides us and and we treat one another as co-heirs, as as co-priests, and as a royal nation, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday.